morning, everyone. It is Thursday, the 16th of June. Big night overnight. Christopher Conway, you've got the wrap for us, please. Good morning, Ben. Thank you. It was a better night overnight with the Dow up 1% and the NASDAQ even better up 2.5%. US stocks snapping a five-session losing streak. It came off the back of the latest Fed decision, the central bank raising by 75 basis points. That's the largest hike since 1994. The move came following last week's hotter-than-expected CPI number, Fed Chair Powell vowing to fight inflation. And the market's liking that tone and the increased certainty around interest rate policy. Clearly, the Fed is going hard early in trying to put the inflation genie back into the bottle. The ECB was also in the news. Marcus will talk more about it in his strategy section in just a moment. But they held an emergency meeting saying that they will do whatever it takes to fight fragmentation risk. In other words, supporting the weaker satellite economies in the EU. And it has some of the hallmarks of the European debt crisis in the 2010s. So watch this space. Locally, we are up 64 points, much better than the 16 points by futures we're expecting. So having a good day locally as well. Very nice. Thank you, Chris. Tom, what else is happening locally? Thank you, Ben. Our market having a good day up 60 points, as Chris just pointed out. June spikes fire today, which does offer some volatility at the open. Healthcare and utilities are the only sectors in negative territory. We have CSL off 0.2%. Miners and property names are leading the market higher. BHP up 1.7%. Fortescue up 2%. Rio up 2%. Lithium and uranium stocks are the standout performance. Performers, Kilbra Minerals, Allchem and Paladin all up convincingly. Bubs up 7.1%. They announced a supply agreement with Walmart, who are purchasing a Boeing 747 plane filled with 85,000 tins of baby formula in it. And well, they're, they're actually buying the aeroplane. No, the, well, the baby formula. Yeah, but you said they're buying a 747. Full of... Yeah, but they're not buying the aeroplane. A 747's worth of... No, well, they're, they're buying the whole... sound like they're buying, they're buying an aircraft. Yeah. That committed to yeah. baby. Well, they sound like they were buying an airplane, especially. It sounds maybe. a bit like a giveaway that Bubs might be doing. You could win a 747 <laughs> full of yeah. baby. Oh, the formula, get the plane. <laughs> no, they haven't bought the plane. They've right. bought a cargo load with 85,000 tins of baby formula in it. Australian Ethical is up 2.6%. They had some full year guidance out. Eagers Automotive up 9.2%, launched a buyback of up to 10%. Hum Group, surprisingly, up 3.7% percent despite a pretty uninspiring update on the trading environment which is looking pretty ugly for the business they've said net profit down 61 percent this of course is flexi rent older hands know it as flexi rent and of course they wanted to come a buy now pay later company called themselves hum and <laughs> they timed it right at the top of the bnpl cycle and it's probably costing a lot in sentiment or lost sentiment that they needn't have lost but anyway up today so that's yeah. uh, one to look at link down 12.3 percent though as ACCC voiced some competition concerns from the Dai and Durham posed acquisition and we have unemployment data out at 1130 headline unemployment expected to fall to 3.8% from 3.9%. Thank you Ben. Very nice. Thank you Tom. Layton, have you got anything interesting for us out of the brokers today? Yes, thank you Ben. Chris had this one as his chart of the day yesterday, Hub24. It's down 4.6% this morning but brokers responded positively to a strategy and business update. They've retained overweight and ad recommendations, but they have lowered price targets just due to the current macro outlook. Just jumping in there, Leighton, just to let listeners know that I was bearish on the stocks. So it's going in the right <laughs> no, direction. You, 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 uh, your chart yesterday was just pointing out a, a big breakdown That's below right. support. So yeah. Yeah. down again today. 
media. Yeah, and Credit Suisse has said that it supports the strategy which should entrench the company in the advice business and market share gains. But as I said, they have lowered their price targets due to the current macro outlook. And Credit Suisse has a target price of $38, which is down from $40, implying an 88% upside. Macquarie has a target price of $32.20, which is down just slightly, but that still implies a 60% upside. And Morgan's target price has dropped from $32.10 down to $25.80, which implies a 28% upside. So all still looking for a bit of upside there in the long run. I think I think it's worth pointing out that when stock prices fall a lot, brokers always have target prices well above the current share price, but share prices dropped a lot recently. That makes it look like a buy when in fact, really, it's just target prices are wrong. Whatever. It makes it hard when they probably update their research once a month and the stock's traded every once, day. Once so. every six months, yeah. usually after results. But yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, they did lower their target prices though. So. Right. And a couple of downgrades to look at this morning as well. Credit Suisse has downgraded Ingham's group. That's ING to neutral and the target price has dropped 28.4% to $2.90, which implies just about a 7% upside. And UBS has downgraded Temple and Webster. That's TPW to neutral also. The target price has dropped 48% down to $4.25. But that still implies a 22% upside. Thank you, Ben. Nice work. Thank you, Leighton. Chris, back to you for your trading section today. Thanks, Ben. The chart of the day today is Premier Investments. It's another one of those ones where all the brokers have seemingly ridiculous target prices at the moment. They're in the high 20s and early 30s. The stock is now sub 20. And another one that is breaking down, I think it's one of the best retailers in the country. It's run by Solly Lou, who's one of the shrewdest men in the business. But it really tells the story of the consumer discretionary space at the moment. There's really nowhere to hide in that space. We know that interest rates are going up. People are counting their pennies and tightening the purse strings. And even the jewel that is in the PMV crown being Smiggle. I know a little bit about it. Every time my young fellow walks past one of the stores, he wants to spend some money in there. Even that is not shining as brightly. So once again, like I said, it's breaking down. It's just cracked the $20 round number. And like I said, it's just a placeholder for the entire consumer's discretionary space at the moment. Aside from that, I will be doing a webinar next Wednesday, 5 p.m. Slightly different format this time, guys, rather than chat chat. I'd like everyone to submit their favorite stock codes and we'll pick the top 10 most popular. And then I'll do a deep dive into those stocks so please please register for that very nice look forward to that thank you chris henry over to you for your take today well first of all i'd like to thank everybody out there in member land for their suggestions on my smoke alarm issue there we go there it goes off it's been very engaging i've come to the conclusion that it is actually an alien in the ceiling and i'm waiting for sigourney weaver to appear which will be a bonus on lots of fronts so looking forward to that but as yet the electrician who spent two hours on it yesterday failed and it's still going off as you can hear so it's always fun and thanks for all the emails it's amazing how many people have had suggestions as far as my stuff goes today i've invoked a very famous article written by william reese mogg who wrote an article back in 1967 called who breaks a butterfly on a wheel and this article was concerning mick jagger's three-month prison sentence for redlands a very famous incident with marion faithful including a rug at the time um the reason i invoked william reese mogg is basically basically looking the electrician's view about inflation and the RBA and the Federal Reserve's response to it. Of course, we had the 75 basis point last night move higher. And the idea, of course, is whether inflation can be cured or beaten by interest rate rises from the central bank when most of it is being caused at the moment by the oil price. And luckily, the oil price has started to come off a little bit, which is good. So maybe we are going to see a little bit of tempering in that. So just a look at that inflation. I had a good discussion with Koshi yesterday on the same lines on the call. And one stock that I 
still like, and I've got to say, is one of those kind of all-weather stocks, as far as I'm concerned, is Transurban, which I've written up again today. Everybody gets a bit freaky outy about the debt levels in Transurban, but most of their debt is actually hedged and for seven years. So by the time they have to consider worrying about that, we'll probably be in a recession and we'll see rates coming down again. So these guys have had some forward thinking in their business plan. And the beauty of Transurban, of course, is that interest uh, rates uh, really don't affect them too much uh, because it's all about inflation. And inflation at 7 point whatever percent when it comes in in July is going to ensure some nice big fat toll price rises. And if you're a guy or a girl out there commuting, uh, you will notice when the beep goes off at the end of the month when you get the statement how expensive things are getting. So it's one way to get your own back is to own the company that does the beeping. So for me, Transurban is still a standout in these turbulent times. So the other one that I was sent as well today on an email is TLC, which is a new stock to the boards. It is the Lottery Corp. So it is the business that got uh, hived out of Tabcorp. And this is, again, is a very nice, stable business. It's also to some extent recession proof. And even in a recession, people still dream and they still go to their news agents and buy their lottery tickets and go online. So that one also could be worth a look at. And just uh, finishing up, I had a good turnout last night for Ask the Analyst, which was a good hour and a quarter session. I've put the, the recording of that up. So if you want to listen to that, then that's there. But some good stocks talked about and some good themes talked about as well. So thanks everyone that came along last night virtually to that one. That's good stuff there. Thank you, Henry, as always. Marcus, last but not least. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Henry, why did Bob Marley die? Is this a joke? I'd imagine it's something to do with uh, too much weed. Right. Or maybe he was jamming. Well, uh, (laughs) too much jam. Anyway, you might look that one up. I thought as well it was probably a drug overdose, but look it up. Right. On the strategy front today, a relief rally, obviously, today, although we have opened up and look a bit drifty, so not a lot of follow through. I've written in the strategy piece today about the Fed. I don't need to run through too much of that. And I don't think there are any great conclusions or new information in there, except that they downgraded GDP forecasts, they upgraded unemployment forecasts. And there are a few indicators like retail sales fell for the first time since last year, last night as well. We are going to start watching these economic indicators coming off. And that could, perverse way, could be good news. As Henry says, it's all about inflation. If inflation comes off, then the market might just relax a little bit. Anyway, lots of stuff on the Fed, obviously, and a relief rally overnight. I'm in cash in the ideas portfolio and the strategy portfolio. And yeah, I've had a couple of emails about not updating the portfolios on the portfolios tab. I'll do that. But uh, happy to be there at the moment. Now, one other thing that's popped up today, as uh, Chris has mentioned this morning already, is does anyone remember the Greek crisis in 2011? Remember, Greece was going to go bust, followed by Portugal and Spain and Italy. And that would threaten the Europe. European Union, threatened the EU, threatened the euro, and the markets had a terrible year or so worrying about Greece. And it was those times of German protesters protesting the fact that the German government was having to pay for Greeks 
and their social security uh, guarantees so that people could retire early and do nothing. So overnight, it seems what's happened is the European Central Bank on Thursday last week said that they would be raising rates. And if you look what's been happening to bond yields in the southern rim or poorer nations in the EU, and I've got charts in there of Portugal, Greece, Spain, and Italy, bond yields have absolutely ramped up. And this of course, is threatening the highly indebted nations in Europe. And at the same time, you've got Christine Lagarde saying that her mandate is to get inflation down, and she's not in the business of looking after national budgets. And obviously, some of the European countries have phoned up the European Central Bank saying, you've got to do better than that, because we're in a bit of trouble here. And now you're raising rates, we've already got trouble now you're raising rates. So typical piece of ECB or EU bureaucracy is this announcement that in order to support the Southern Rim nations, the ECB's held an extraordinary meeting, announced they will support indebted Southern Rim nations. And the quote is, the way they're going to do this is the governing council decided to mandate the relevant Euro system committees together with the ECB services to accelerate the completion of the design of a new anti-fragmentation instrument for consumers consideration by the governing council. So they're coming up with a potential solution to European debt in such a typically EU bureaucratic way as to be laughable, I think. Anyway, the plans immediately drawn criticism from German MPs. One of them says it's the ECB's job to deliver on price stability, not ensure favourable financing conditions. And some countries now simply get the bill, in other words, Germany gets the bill for years of irresponsible fiscal policies in other countries. If the ECB now launches yet another program to keep spreads low, it edges dangerously close to monetary state financing. Bottom line is, quietly, there is another European crisis brewing, and it adds to all the other risks that we have got going on. Inflation spike, energy crisis, aggressive interest rates, the risk of recession, the economic dent from China's COVID policy, and the geopolitical risk from the Russian conflict. Have I missed anything? And it's just another reason to keep you sitting back for the moment, because all these things are not temporary. They're not a one day thing. They're not going away. It's going to take months to resolve. So I feel fairly happy with that European development to be sitting back in cash at the moment and not being sucked into today's uh, relief rally. And that's probably me today. You can certainly see why the UK was quite keen to leave the EU. You, given the complete babble that comes out of the ECB at times. It's just amazing. Italy is the real problem. That is the one that they're concerned about, but not that concerned at the moment. Well, if you look at Italian bond yields, they have roofed it the most. They've gone from half a percent to 3.9% in a period of six, seven months. And that is a barometer of pain for uh, an indebted nation. Funnily enough, Greece is the one that's in the best position because they locked in all their long-term financing with the EU when rates were at record lows. The message is that some of us lived through the Greek crisis and every day we were waking up to work out what the Greek rescue package was and then it spread to Spain and Portugal and it lasted for two years. So this is the sort of thing that could just come out of left 
field here to exacerbate our current more cyclical macro problems. Very good. Gives us a nice segue into our question today, which is what are you looking for in terms of signs of the bottom? I'm about to have to run off and set up a meeting, so I'll go first. I am in the bigger picture looking for the Fed commentary to start settling a little bit and not be quite as aggressive in its nature. I think that could be one of the big signs I'm looking for. Tom, I'll pass to you and then I'll get you to take over posting duties. Thank you, Ben. A short-term technical indicator that I like to use is the bottoming in the VIX or the VIX coming off the top. And if you plot that with the share market, it is surprisingly how often topping out of the VIX correlates with the bottom of the market. So that's a short-term technical indicator I like to use. Chris. Thanks, Tom. I wrote yesterday about some of the technical evidence that I'll look for. I won't go through that again, but for anyone who's interested, check it out. Inflation will be the big thing for me. I think it's ridiculous here in Australia that we only get inflation numbers quarterly, whereas in the US, obviously, it's every month. So I'd be looking for two consecutive months of US inflation moving lower as starting to be a sign of the bottom. Very good. Leighton? I'd be looking for those sentiment-driven stocks to have some consecutive wins and just less volatility as well. Very good. Henry? Mine is quite a simple one, and it is flashing a little bit at the moment, is the length of the 52-week lows that we have in the end-of-day report, um, which has now, I think it's now two screenshots, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, um, on, um, on Wednesday, it was two two screenshots worth on Tuesday. Very long really long. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so long that it's just got into to ridiculous territory. And more importantly, I guess as well, not only the length of it, but when you look at the ones that are reaching 52-week highs, there were only three yesterday. Yeah. Steamship Trading, ResApp, which has had a, a pretty good move with a new bid from Pfizer, and Crown Resorts. The rest of it is a shopping list of disaster, of 52-week lows. So that is pointing something. I'm not sure what yet. I think it may be a little early, but certainly, you know, when that list gets quite long as it has done, then, you know, you get to that base being thrown out with the bathwater period of time. And of course, June tax loss selling has just exaggerated that. Not saying we're there yet, but certainly that is one of the signs I keep looking for. That's a very good one, Henry. And Marcus, last but not least. Yes, I like Henry's and the VIX, of course. I think it's a bit obvious that when the VIX peaks, the market bottoms the VIX peaks, but it is a very good indicator of fear and you are supposed to buy when others are fearful. So it always tops out at the bottom of the market. Having said that, I find the most worrying sign is that my 20-year-old plus children are now colluding on what colours to paint their bedrooms. And it means that they're here to stay. And that, I think, is disastrous and is, again, a reflection of their ability to earn money, save money, and buy a property or rent a property, uh, which is obviously diminishing by the day. And they've started long-term planning to stay at home. I believe the only way to get rid of them is to sell the house. So I will probably be doing that. Or, or you could move out. Well, that's just it. I will uh, sell the house. And uh, or maybe even just tell them I've sold the house. Just, just tell them when they come home, they won't recognize the place. And then they'll say, why? And you say, we've moved. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> anyway, there we go. So, yeah, now I actually think one of the X factors is going to be if you look at the, as I mentioned yesterday, if you look at what is causing the inflation at the moment, it is staggering that the Fed have got to go hard on interest rates to when the, the biggest factors are supply chain issues from the pandemic. And the temporary growth in pandemic-related costs like airfares, hotels, and the Russian crisis. So they're not going to solve the Russian crisis with a, an interest rate rise. They're not going to solve this temporary blip in pandemic recovery elements to inflation. And they're not going to solve the Chinese COVID supply chain disruptions with an interest rate rise. So it does
does seem highly misplaced to me, and I would say one of the biggest indicators would be if suddenly this Ukraine-Russian war came to a conclusion and the energy market eased up, you'd find the stock market rapidly bottomed. So I would say the energy crisis is probably the factor that is most important, uh, not growth, not interest rate. Very good. That wraps us up, guys. Just before we go, finally, I did Google Bob Marley so that we don't keep everybody in suspense. He had a melanoma under his toenail and died of cancer as it spread. There were some thoughts that he got this from playing football on the beach, but in actual fact, it was not that result. He had it already, um, and he refused to have his toe amputated because it was against his religious beliefs. And as a result, he died. And there you go. And there you go. Okay, good. So, uh, moral of the story is wear some shoes get checked out if you've got something no that particular <laughs> cancer is one that is a hairless cancer very common on uh, people of color and it is a cancer that is in places that aren't uv affected which is under your toenails soles of your feet palms of your hand he just took no notice of it he literally thought it was a football injury there you go i think the moral right. of that story is don't be stubborn yes thanks guys thanks, see you tomorrow thank you guys thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.